podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones and Steve Brooker, the guy who got in touch on Twitter in the week to beg us to reject me from any future presenting gigs and hand over the reins to James Jones permanently. Well, I'm very sorry, but it is me back again on the back of a remarkable win at Wolverhampton Wanderers, West Ham United 3, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, and we threatened to bottle it again, just like we did against Arsenal. Throwing away two 3-0 leads in a row would have been vintage West Ham, as someone in a group chat of mine put it earlier today. We didn't, we held on, we dug in, and what a fantastic result it was as well, especially without our talismanic captain leader, legend Declan Rice. But King Arthur was back. What a sight that was to behold. What a performance by the main man. Lads, you, uh, you missed me last week. James, I mean, one thing... You forgot to mention, uh, well, you were uh, a couple of little slide digs on the presenting. Fantastic job by you, by the way. Just like to um, give my heartfelt congratulations. Thought you were wonderful. But one thing you did forget to mention uh, to the thousands of people that download this podcast every week who would have no doubt showered me with get well soon messages is that I actually had surgery the day before last week's podcast, uh, which you failed to mention to anyone. Yeah, sorry, mate. I mean, uh, firstly, thanks for thanks for your glowing review of my my presenting last week. Um, you, you gave me twenty four hours notice to pre- prepare for that, and uh, I just didn't know whether to tell tell the world that you were having surgery. I didn't know whether that was a real personal thing. It could be a problem. So I left that bit out. I, I left that out of the reasons why um, you, you weren't you weren't on last week. But um, yeah, no, me and Tom, me and Tom enjoyed ourselves. But obviously, we missed you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I listened back. They both did a fantastic job, uh, Tom, especially detailed analysis from you as ever. But my, um, yeah, thank God anyone who was uh, who was worried, but obviously they wouldn't have known because James didn't tell you. I had a triple foot bypass uh, last week or open foot surgery, whichever one you think sounds more serious. But no, nothing um, too serious at all. But uh, yeah, I did have a did have a legitimate a legitimate sick note. The nurse came in actually, James, as I was coming round. And she said, oh, do you need a sick note? I thought, oh, no, I've already told my work. I thought, actually, I better get one signed just so I can uh, prove to the lads that I did actually have an operation. <laughs> I did, didn't just fancy a week off. But, Tom, wonderful to see you. Great job again last week. It was a really good listen. How are you? All good, mate. It, yeah, it feels right to have you back, though. Yeah, as much as I enjoyed it last week with Jonesy, it's only right to have you back in a hot seat, mate. But I can't not be happy after yesterday and uh, looking forward to this very much so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just spoke to my dad earlier and he came back and he said, oh, I said, how's your day? He said, oh, terrible. He said, it's freezing out there. He said, oh, a couple of jobs I was on, just just really, really not good. I said, oh, blimey. I said, West Ham won 3-2 last night. I said, it must have only been 10 hours before we won away, which we before this season we rarely ever do. We've done the double over walls. We're in fourth spot. I said, your day must have been really, really bad if even West Ham 
impending qualification for the Champions League, didn't cheer you up. But um, no, can do. Jonesy, I mean, what did you make of it last night? It was uh, obviously we'll go into it in detail as usual, but sort of straight off of the bat, just to welcome um, welcome everyone back to or welcome me back. Then the, the deadly duo, the deadly trio, as it is now, are back. Um, yeah, what did you make of the game? I'm going to let you, you boys and, and our listeners into a secret. Um, oh, no. When the third goal went in, I genuinely had a tear in my eye. And Lucy, sitting next to me, went, are you crying? <laughs> I was like, and I was like, Lucy, I, I genuinely cannot tell you how happy I am at watching this. I have not been this happy watching West Ham for years. And it's just, in it, I, I'd had tears in my eyes. And I think, I think it's because the three goals that we scored were just so good. So good. Every single one of them was class. And um, like even when we went three up against Arsenal, like just like three, like Lingard was good, but three relatively bog standard goals. And then you just get three world-class goals. Um, and it just, it, it hit me over the edge. And I was, I was a, a blubbering mess on the sofa for about five minutes. I was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> Um, you would have been, you'd have been yeah, just, trying a just, damn sight more if they'd got back to free all, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd have been crying with anger, but yeah, it was just class, the whole thing. I mean, when then Duncan got that header, it was like, here we go again. Um, I know you were you were already at 3 0, I think, weren't you? Going in the WhatsApp group, going, I might have a tenner on on Wolves. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, yeah just, just out of this world, and I, I, think, I don't think I've stopped watching Lingard's first goal. And looking at the, I haven't gone five minutes without looking at the league table all, all, all day today. So um, yeah, long may this continue, boys. Yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant stuff, wasn't it, Tom? Lionel Jesse, Tom, what a, what a man he really, really is. I mean, he was, you know, I, I remember I was one of the underwhelmed ones when he when we signed him, just thinking, oh, he's been out in the in the sort of uh, football wilderness for a while, not really getting a shout at Manchester United. Again, glad to eat that humble pie for sure. Uh, he's been wonderful. And last night, I know his goal was was spectacular, of course, but he was involved, of course, in in the others. His all-round gameplay, I just thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I'd, I'd argue, I don't know what you think, Tom, that was the best game he's played for us. Yeah, I, I think that or Villa, there's so many times he's turned up and it's, it's his leadership in games like that, particularly when we didn't have Rice and Antonio then gets hooked off with that injury. We rely on him so much and everything goes through him. Anything good that happens, he's heavily, heavily involved in. And just to see him take a game like that by the scruff of the neck in the first 15 minutes, first half, there's a highlight package going around on Twitter today. And it's actually a joke. Like this performance in his first half, every single touch he made is pure class. Don't think he gave the the ball away once. Everything went through him. It was just a sublime, sublime display. In the first 45 minutes, I can't remember a West Ham side ever playing better or looking more likely to score at every God-given moment. We just looked superb and, and it did all come through him. And as much as I was happy that he came in, there's not a single chance in how I thought he'd put up these numbers there. They're a joke and I don't think anyone could have envisaged this. And I tweeted it this morning and yesterday, probably about 15 times, but I don't remember a West Ham player playing better for eight games in an eight game stretch ever. In my life, six goals, two assists, three, sorry, three assists and two pens won. It's, it speaks for itself. He's unbelievable. Long live Jesse Lingard. I saw that tweet, Tom, and Denver Barr is the last player I can remember who had a, an impact after signing yeah. in January. Obviously, we didn't stay up, but he, I think he scored like nine goals in 12 games or something like that. 
Um, but you're right. Thin. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I did. Uh, I don't. I don't know why, Tom. I don't know if you were tweeting more than usual, were you? But my my timeline was was quite full with uh, Tom Edwards' tweets since since the game. I was loving it, mate. Nothing too, nothing too nothing out there. Too, it was a bit of, con- I mean, it was quite your usual, like um, calamitous end of the world Armageddon stuff before the game, wasn't it? When Declan Rice was, uh, Declan that was Rice about was as bad out. as it gets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you definitely hit Twitter rock bottom then, didn't you? But uh, no, yeah. brilliant, brilliant to see your um, your online bipolar, as I think it's been officially <laughs> diagnosed as, um, come back after the game. When uh, yeah, delighted, delighted to see it happen. Look, lads, we'll go into it in a bit more detail as we usually would but I think you'd have definitely taken four points from Arsenal and Wolves Uh, great to score six goals as well there are negatives to be uh, sort of taken of course especially after the Arsenal game that was an anger inducing one but as you've said James just to bounce back like that as we've done regularly this season it is the sign of a of a big team and and the better team that we have become so wonderful to see that we'll just do a bit of uh, housekeeping i'll let you know what's coming up on the show um before we dive into that game the wolves reaction in a little bit more detail i'm delighted to say tom clark from football london He's joining us, a West Ham correspondent, the man who replaced friend of the show, Sam Incasol. He will be making his We Are West Ham debut later on. But James, first of all, a little bit of housekeeping. And, uh, you know, while I was perhaps if you'd have told um, everyone at home that I had actually had surgery uh, last week, that they, Steve Brooker it was who got in touch on Twitter after your presenting debut. Might have been a little bit more sympathetic or empathetic towards my plight but um so as always as part of the housekeeping this part of the show we encourage everyone to get in touch on twitter at we are underscore west ham or they can email us we are west ham pod at gmail.com you can subscribe to our youtube channel and watch all of these shows as well as uh, as the cut up segments as individual videos if that's your thing uh, the link to our youtube channel is in the description to this podcast and now you can uh, support the podcast or buy me and the lads a beer at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west Ham. one of the things we always say is get in touch with your feedback um, good and bad we've read out some of the hilarious bad ones before we've read out a few of the good ones only last week or the week before last uh, we read out rob's absolutely lovely message that cheered us all up this week well one message we got after james jones did a sterling job of presenting uh, the podcast last week did not cheer me up at all and it's from steve brooker on twitter and uh Steve Brooker said at we are one underscore West Ham, please, please, please. That's three pleases. Can James Jones be the new regular presenter? Will sounds like he's trying too hard most of the time. James was much more natural sounding and easy on the ear. No offense, Will. Well, I took loads of offense, Steve. Great show. Uh, James was quick to reply on behalf of the podcast with loads of laughing emojis. Cheers, Steve. Are you okay? And he said, sorry, Will, you're a great lad, but he did ask for feedback. Um, and I'm never going to ask for feedback ever again, I don't think. <laughs> it was the third please, James, that really got me. I think please, please, can James Jones be the host next week? Would have been fine. But three pleases, that's someone who really doesn't like the sound of my voice every week, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the three pleases probably just hammered home Steve's thoughts. Um, and I'd like to thank Steve personally for his, for his kind <laughs> words. Uh, but I, don't, I, 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 I was thinking thinking the other day, I, was like, I don't really know where I stand stand with with our listeners because i got we get we had a review with some guy telling me that you know i could cure insomnia uh, <laughs> and i've got hammer. steve 
Yeah, Phantom Hammer, and then you got Steve saying that I should be the presenter. So I don't even know where I stand with the with, with the uh, with the listeners these days. No, well, I think the one thing we do know, James, for sure, is that Tom is everyone's favourite, isn't he? No one, yeah. no one ever, oh, yeah. ch- no one ever chimes in with the. They're all my burner accounts, chaps. It's not real. These aren't real people. You're talking, so I just got had the burner accounts. Yeah, Steve Brooker. It's not an anagram actually for Tom Edwards, is it? Yeah, But yeah, look. Um, thanks to Steve for getting in touch. Very sorry that uh, James won't be taking over from me permanently. I'll do my best to not sound like such a try hard, but I am trying very hard, as we all are, to make the We Are West Ham podcast good for you guys at home. Like I say. Follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Get us, hit us up on YouTube. Um, we are on Instagram as well. If that's your thing and you can buy us a beer or support the pod at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. So a little bit what's coming up on the show tonight. We've got some Wolves reaction with Tom Clark, the West Ham correspondent for football.london. We'll discuss us coming out of the blocks like lightning again. Disappointing to see Mikel Antonio come off. Was Issa Diop at fault for the two goals? And Mark Noble, of course, dominated West Ham Twitter sphere before and after the game. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about him as well we'll have the betway charity bets uh the wolves bets tom again so so close my friend the opposition view with jake watson from talk sport massive leicester fan to look ahead to that game on sunday and tom is the quiz master for name that game we'll wrap it up with the West Ham women and what a win that was. We thought West Ham's win against Wolves was brilliant, but the women, the West Ham women winning 5-0 or they were 5-0 up at half time against Reading to give them a huge boost in their push for survival in the WSL. And then that'll be it. We'll say goodbye and we'll wrap up with a brief Fantasy Premier League update at the end, which I don't think James Jones will want to do given that he played his wild card and still didn't manage to be the top scorer out of me. James and Tom and then like I say we'll say goodbye for another week but lads it's uh it's an exciting one this week Tom just just quickly before we go into it in part two in a little bit more detail there's lots to talk about tonight what's your uh, you know the, we've mentioned already the the Declan Rice injury uh Mark Noble there was a lot of nervousness before the game about whether or not you know, he should even play and should Connor Coventry be given a chance instead? There's the Lingard performance. Uh, what's your sort of main, what's the thing that's been dominating your thoughts sort of since the game mainly, like the main talking point, if there's one? Since again, as much as this is a day for positivity and, and the squad proved that we are superb and we've got enough to win football games, for me, I've been waking up and I've been worried about the Antonio one in particular, and his health going forward. I mean, Rice is superb and he's not more or less important than Antonio, but we do have Noble's experience and he's at least, he can get through seven, eight games a season and it's four or five likely with Rice, isn't it? But without Antonio, it means that Lingard's got to change position. Bowen's got to have new responsibilities. It sort of affects the fabric of the side in terms of the way we set up a little bit more in the way we hit teams on the counter in I just worry about his health going forward. I think you saw that 30 minutes. He was literally unplayable. He, I've never seen someone bully a centre-half quite the way he did to Cody. It was it was pretty disgraceful if you're looking at a Southgate because it was a bullying job. And I think just him, what we'll miss from him going forward for me against Leicester in the big games coming up, I think is uh, is a worry. So I'm just hoping to hear some positive news on that. But can't be negative about anything else, really. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I was just wondering why I, I, I agree with you because it's easy to, when we win games like that, it's easy to gloss over some of the, the supposed negatives. And I think Moyes sort of mentioned it after us, didn't he? Alluded to conceding five goals in, in two games isn't isn't that great either and, uh, and a stat that he's over, overly thrilled with. Jones, what's, what's yours? What's your sort of main... Uh, the thing out of all of the stuff we've got to talk about before we get Tom Clark on from Football London to go into it in more detail. Is there, there one sort of standout thing for you that, that has been dominating your mind, either good or bad? Uh, I mean, I agree with I agree with Tom in, in the Antonio thing. And we spoke about it in January, didn't we? Like this, it was always going to happen. It was going to happen at some point. Um, and we, we should have at least got someone in to that could deputise for him in that in that position, but uh, we did mention briefly back in January that you know Bowen can do a, can do a job there, and what within four minutes, le- less than that of replacing Antonio, he, he found the back of the net with a great run to support Lingard. Lingard plays him in and, and he scores, uh, and that, that's part. Of, I'm thinking well, maybe okay, we're not going to have the strength um, and like the the ability to bully a centre half like Antonio does and, and did at the first what first half an hour on Monday night, but. Bowen can do a job there. He did it at Hull when he was playing up front for, for Hull, banging, I know it's the championship, but he was banging goals left, right and centre for them. And you just wonder whether, okay, losing Antonio is a blow. Jared Bowen, I think, proved on Monday night that he can be, you know, a, a worthwhile deputy while Antonio's getting back fit, if he's out for a while. So maybe it's not panic stations as such. And maybe, you know, we probably need to put a little bit more faith into to Bowen in terms of, you know, playing that role and, and delivering. There you go. There you go. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll, like I say, we'll get into it in a load more detail. I'm the thing that I'm thinking about just now is the almost. I don't. It's so important about signing Lingard. I I just think you know we've paid for the talk that he's Man United want forty odd million for him. Well, we paid that sort of money for Philippe Anderson and Sebastian Halle. I know we recouped only twenty five of of Halle's, but that would be the most sensible 40 million. I think any football club has ever spent ever. It's not like he's, he's too old either. Is he still in the the prime years of his career, so to speak. So look, we'll get Tom Clark from football.london's thoughts on that next, because in part two, we'll have some more detailed reaction to that fantastic win at Wolves. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Just like to apologise once again to any of you out there who echo Steve Brooker's thoughts, who are absolutely desperate for James Jones to take over presenting duties from me after I had one week off, but uh, no can do. I'm afraid, but I'm delighted to say that joining us for a debut on the We Are West Ham podcast, we've had a few of those in recent weeks, I'm delighted to welcome the Football.London West Ham correspondent Tom Clark. Tom took over from Sam Incasol at the turn of the new year. Sam, obviously a regular guest on the podcast before he switched to the dark side of London or the dark blue side of West London, to be precise. But Tom, wonderful to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you on. First of many appearances i hope uh have you found your new gig since you took over at uh, the new year because you've obviously you're obviously doing something right <laughs> cheers lads. yeah it's nice nice to be on um yeah i mean it's been brilliant taking over from sam uh, obviously he did a did a cracking job and then um but the team have just yeah I, I didn't see this coming to be to be honest like i you know I, as a football fan in general i you know i was following west ham i watched them earlier in the season and 
seen some some good performances, some not so good performances. Uh, yeah, definitely didn't see them going from from tenth to fourth in the space of a of a few weeks of taking over. And uh, yeah, just fingers crossed it keeps going. I'd love to be covering some Champions League football next next season, and um, hopefully Sam will be down in the Europa Conference League or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly that. That would be quite the uh, quite a scout, wouldn't it? Quite the switch around. But um, Tom, I'm assuming uh, you, of course, you're at the at the Wolves game last night. One of the the fortunate fortunate few. We were out the blocks like absolute lightning once again. Obviously, we we all know it was a mirror image first half to what happened against Arsenal the week before. Uh, I saw a Twitter video. You did. I don't know if that was today or yesterday. Uh, it might be straight after the game, actually, just sort of giving your your thoughts about what it's like to actually be there. And I know you mentioned about Mark Noble. We'll ask you about that in more detail. But what, what's it been like being at the games? What have you found from from the team that those of us watching from afar might not have been able to been able to see? And it, it's really weird. And it's I know everybody says it that you know they miss fans, but but you do. Like it, it is really really strange without fans. And one of the the things you pick up on is you can hear them. You can hear the players so clearly and the managers. So you you learn who the talkers are on the team, but you also hear what they're saying. And and it's really funny at times because I don't know, like as a, as an amateur footballer, and I've played a lot of amateur football, and it's. You know, it's so basic, the information you um, you give to each other. You kind of think that Premier League players, you know, that they're so much better than we ever are playing on our Sunday mornings that, that they must actually, you know, communicate better with each other. Nothing nothing of the sort. It's the same stuff that we say to each other. It's box them in, lads. Box them in. Like, <laughs> guys are professional footballers, but that you're still shouting that at each other. It's really interesting to hear that side of it and, and to hear who the talkers are. And, I mean... The way West Ham started yesterday, like you say, it was so similar to the to the Arsenal game. But uh, I think it was actually even better than the Arsenal game. Antonio was brilliant yesterday. It's like he went off after whatever it was, 35, 36 minutes. And got to really hope that that isn't serious because because he was brilliant yesterday. It's the best I've seen him play by an absolute mile. I, I, I've seen him come back from a couple of injuries and then and he just he wasn't. He didn't look fit. The, the first game I covered in person was, um, was Stockport away. And that was his first game back after... I don't know, five or six games out, possibly longer. And and there were a couple of times when the ball was played through to him. You just think fully fit, he'd get that, no problem. Like there, there's no way that the the defender would have would have got got back. And yesterday he was he was just not like physically fitted, like to look at, because he's he's a unit of a man anyway, but just he he was just on it. He just that first shot that hit the post, he he bullied the defense. The shot actually, the last thing he did before he went down injured, he he still had that shot. And he was, you know, the shot wasn't how he got injured. It was, it was the run. It was the, the fighting for the ball. And hopefully it's just something minor. But he still got his shot off. And he was still through three players. He had no right to get through them and have that shot. And it was, that was really good to see how him, that was the fittest and the best I've seen him play. It was only 36 minutes, but he was not like Bowen came on and did badly. He scored after two minutes. But, uh, but you know, Antonio, yeah, you got to hope that's not serious. I'm just just on that. Obviously, you mentioned Bowen came on and he got his goal within was it three minutes or, or something like that. Do you think that if Antonio's injuries, you know, it means he's going to be out for you know three or four games? Uh, do you think Bowen can do a job there? He's not going to be the, the strong, you know, hold the ball up, you know, physical presence that, that Antonio is. But you know, he proved within three minutes that you know he can still make those you know those clever runs in behind. Um, do you think that we can? We should be putting probably a little bit more faith and trust into someone like Bowen? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think who have to do the job. So it's it's you know Moyes will Moyes will get behind him and back him. He'll you know he'll he'll try and encourage him and that and he also offers a little bit of flexibility because like later in the game Lingard went through the middle and Bowen went to to the to the right when it was three two and they were just trying to see the game out and it just became very much a a five four one and also Lingard was getting a bit of cramp and tiring so he was going to be wasted out on the wing not being able to, to track back and it was uh, Adama Traore's wing as well so um, yeah you, you can't be having cramp when he's running out yeah that's for sure uh, but I think yeah Bowen does give a little bit of flexibility so maybe Lingard will go through the middle but you don't really want to I think he kind of needs that free roll playing in behind we saw it in the first half yesterday the second half was a different game it was Different type of game. Wolves were coming at them a bit more, but uh, but yeah, I think Bowen will have to do that job because um, Mipo, Rebecca, and I I haven't seen him play for the under twenty three, so I I can only base it on the the the, the slight um, yeah the few minutes that I've seen him play. But he just he doesn't look ready for the first team, which kind of suggests that uh, that yeah, Bowen is is pretty much the option there. I mean, you, you can juggle things around. You can maybe put Lingard there, and then Ben Rama could come in and take Lingard's role but I think it's Bowen I think yeah and Moyes has said it in a couple of press conferences before that Ben Rama has done it for Hull not not a huge amount but he did do it a bit for Hull so he, he does know where the runs are and um I mean Antonio is a converted wide man Arnautovic is a converted wide man so yeah three is you know why not go for a third third time lucky Tom, another one of our wide men is uh, Pablo Fornells, and he sort of goes under the radar from most West Ham fans. But I think um, we've always really appreciated him on this podcast. And yesterday, yet again, he showed what he's all about. Do you think, how important do you think he is going forward, not only this season, but the following season? Because he looks like he's only getting better. Do you now think he's firmly in Moyes' head as our starting man on that side, at least? Yeah, I, yeah, I think he's a very good player. And I think I'd... I, I see it as well. You see it on Twitter and it's, it seems a real like 50-50 of the fans who like him and the fans who don't. And I, I don't get it. I don't get why people don't like him. Okay, he's not, you know, he... he we he had this chat, have... James, didn't we, last a couple of weeks ago. And I think our, our me and James said similar things, didn't we, James? Sorry to butt in, Tom. But what, our, I think they're more misgivings. It always feels like when when he gets on the ball everything all of a sudden seems to slow down a, li- a level and it perhaps gets a little bit clunky and a little bit uncomfortable and awkward every now and then. Whereas you don't, I think perhaps because he's playing alongside players like Bowen and, and Lingard particularly who are pace and quite fluid with the, with their movements, that it, it often seems like four nails is paying at half a gear behind everyone else sometimes. But again, last night, it absolutely made made fools of uh, of anyone who, who has doubted him because I thought he was he was phenomenal. I think I, I, I understand where you're coming from there. And I think like it instead of concentrating on what he can't do, look at what he can do. He's not as skillful as Ben Rama. Um, I mean, I, I covered Brentford a lot last season. I've seen a lot of side Ben Rama. I love watching him and I I really hope he gets that goal soon. And I think that'll do wonders for his confidence and he'll, he will come good. He is a really good football player. Uh, he's more skillful than than uh, four hours for sure but he doesn't work as hard as him he doesn't keep the ball as well as him so it, it's it's kind of like like four hours is really good at um, you say the easy pass but it's not the easy pass he was on the edge of his box with that flick last night if that goes wrong he gets hammered for that you know he that that's uh that's showing some guts but it's also it's kind of like jose Mourinho would say like when when deli ali does it, if it comes off and it's on the edge of your box it's brilliant you know wonderful footballer if he gives it away he gets hammered for it and you know, Moyes probably wouldn't have come out and hammered him for it, but the fan base might have done. Um, it, it was brave. It, 
brave, stupid, very fine line. It was brave. You know, it came off. It, it honestly, if, if that, it could so easily have gone wrong because that was yeah, the two fouls head. It was twenty yards out. It when you see him do it and you see it live, it, it was a bit like oh, like risky. But then when it comes off and it just created space, brilliant. Um, he, he keeps the ball well. He recycles it well. He's um, he's a tidy footballer, but yeah, he's not as as dynamic as others. No, but I I, I think he's he's one Moyes over for sure. I think he's a he's a starter when fit. And so he'd had a couple of games out, but uh, but you know Bowen was you know um, was the one to miss out yesterday. Okay, obviously things changed a bit with with Rice's injury, but Fournals was straight back in the team the minute the minute he was fit enough to play. And had he been fit. Um, the week before against Arsenal and the game against Manchester United, no doubt he would have been in the team. Yeah, he's he, he's certainly he's he's more effective, isn't he, against those bigger teams? Like you say, that that work rate is all the more valuable against yeah. the against the bigger sides. Uh, one man uh, who's who seems to have sort of fallen into obscurity somewhat at West Ham is Issa Diop. Uh, he he sort of had a little bit of a resurgence on his recent run in the team, but there's no doubt whatsoever that Angelo Bonner has been the star man, and Craig Dawson, against all of the odds, has has muscled his way into into West Ham's number one centre back spot alongside Ogbonner. Uh, it seemed to me last night, and I don't know if I'm being harsh here, but looking at the goals, it seemed like he was at fault. He was he was a little way off of off of Dendonka when that cross comes in, and it wasn't like the cross took a deflection or anything like that. He was streaking down the left triore, so it was obviously obvious what he was going to do, and he was a few yards off of his man. Uh, what, what do you make of him, and am I being a bit harsh there? I, I certainly think he was at fault for the second goal. The the first goal, sometimes you have to say the opposition. It was a good goal. I mean, it was a brilliant, brilliant cross from, from Triora because Noble tries to take him out on the halfway line. He couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get close to him, which is, that's, that's nothing on Noble. That's Triora because then, then Triora is away from um, uh, Sufau and Lingard and Fornals. He, he he just, I mean, he's he's probably, the, I don't know if he is, but he's probably the fastest player in the um in the Premier League and, and one of my WhatsApp groups with with a bunch of friends it was um they always talk about him being having no end product and then suddenly just got a load of messages like oh end product he's, he's suddenly got an end product brilliant cross that and had an absolute <laughs> thumping header from Dendonka so so yeah it, it, it yes Diop was was off him but sometimes you just say that that cross was was absolutely on the money second goal absolutely and Diop was um Johnson had just come on he'd only been on a couple of minutes or so and and Diop was you could see when the ball was being played, he was signalling whether it was Creswell or Johnson he wanted to tuck in, but it, it, it was his man. He needed Creswell to track had gone with the man, hadn't he? He'd gone with yeah. the ball, so he needed. It felt like he needed to come across and cover that run. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely that was that was Diop's man, and um, yeah. What that one thing that I've noticed with Diop, and I found it really really odd the first time I saw him play, was how much he needs constant communication from. Um, it's normally uh, Dawson is normally the one. Dawson is a very, very vocal player anyway. It's normally Dawson, but it is it's really like minute information, like stand here, do this. But then there was one time when um, Dawson had gone up for a, for a corner or free kick or something. It was a few games ago. And, and Diop just, he didn't know where to stand. And he looked over and it was um, Kevin Nolan was on the on the side. And and it was like two metres. He was telling him to move two metres. And I, you're 23, 24, whatever he is, you know, you're a Premier League footballer. That kind of stuff is like a really athletic player, as he showed against um, Arsenal with a goal line clearance. And, you know, it, it, he really wanted to have a run in the last minute of the game yesterday. But uh, he, he's very athletic and he's, he's good at bringing the ball out like that. But there's little bits of his game that he just, 
he needs people telling him what to do and and Ogbonna doesn't have that Ogbonna comes straight back in the minute he's he's fit and him and uh, Dawson you know Dawson is is a good player and like you say it was a bit of a surprise how well he's he's done he he also looks a much better player when he's playing alongside Ogbonna than he does when he's alongside Diop Tom, the big story leading up to, to Monday's game was obviously Declan Rice's injury. Um, and I mean, I think I put in our WhatsApp group, uh, the podcast group was, this is the end of the world as we know it. Because um, <laughs> genuinely just thought, well, well, that's it then. You know, if Declan Rice is out for a few games, you know, we're screwed. Um, I think Will was asking Betway what the odds were for West Ham to finish outside the top 10. That's how, that's how panicked we were. Um, but then Noble steps in and, um, having been almost the scapegoat for a lot of poor performances and a lot of bad results, some of the bad results we've had this season, um, or the, f- the few bad results we've had this season, he steps in and, and put in a, a quality performance. Do you think that do you think that, that can be a consistent theme while Declan Rice is injured? Or you know, do you think he was just kind of, he wanted to go out there and prove himself from the off that he's still got it? I think the system helped him. I mean, when... Um... Uh, the, the away game at Chelsea when he played as the number 10 it, the game just passed him by that it, that that was I, I would put that more on Moyes than the Noble he was in a position where he shouldn't be where you know the, the Chelsea players found it too easy to get past him and he doesn't have the legs to to sprint 50 yards back chasing chasing the players and a couple of times last night you, you know obviously Triori got away from him that, that's going to happen like so, but he had you know, he had three men behind him and he had Suchek play deeper yesterday. And that's the deepest I'd seen him play. He didn't get 40. He obviously had one disallowed. Then he had um, had a half chance from a header from memory. I think it was in the first or second half. I can't really remember. But he, he wasn't in the box an awful lot. So he'd obviously been told to play a little bit deeper. And I think, yeah, Noble can absolutely do a job for the rest of the season if or for however long Rice is out, if the system is set up to help him. And I think he needs... He needs to know that, that he's got cover if you know if somebody does get past him and Suchek to sit, sit next to him. But I don't, I, yeah, he's he, you know, Rice is a huge miss, absolutely, of course, he is. Don't think it's the end of the world, but but yes, he's going to be a huge miss. And um, it'll be interesting to see uh, against um, Leicester this coming weekend. I, I assume he'll he'll play the three at the back or the five at the back. It is, it is very fluid, it's something you notice. When, when you get the whole picture, it is a very fluid system. We, we tried to pin it down a couple of times and say, oh, they're playing a five at the back. And and then within two minutes, Masuaku is the furthest man forward. And then, you know, it, it, is, it is fluid. It's very much a five in defence. And then, but then three, you know, the wing backs do have a lot of licence to get forward. And, and like when Diop um, in the first half, he, he collected the ball, he went on a run and Noble just, you know, there's no communication needed. Noble just, right, I'm sitting in covering for him. That's, that's that sorted. And that's, that's something that maybe Declan Rice wouldn't do as much because he's also got the legs to get forward, knowing that he's got the pace to get back. Whereas Noble just he just doesn't isn't going to make that run if one of the defenders has gone in front of him. He's he's there just holding that position or screaming at the uh, at Diop to, to not even think about it. And I'm not sure what your policy is on um on an industrial language here, but it was uh, it was quite funny and it was uh, in 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 injury time and it was uh Diop made this it was a lovely interception laid it off and he was he was gone and then just these two voices were on at him and and yeah his his run did not get past that halfway line and uh they were they were having absolutely none of it and they told him that, that you're not doing voices? that uh, um noble and dawson <laughs> was, uh, was right on at him in the in the first half as well there was a cross came in and he wasn't tight enough to to his man and um it was actually it was it was the far side of the pitch and we didn't have any screens or any replays yesterday. So I 
I wasn't sure what he'd what he'd done wrong. And I, I tweeted it out because Dawson was going absolutely nuts at him. But, but somebody replied saying, no, he, he was just you know, a metre off his man, that it, it should have been him. And and yeah, Dawson Dawson doesn't hold back. It doesn't matter who you are. He, he did it to Lingard um, a couple of weekends ago as well. It was he, he was really positive the first time he was screaming at him. Just, you know, go, come on, Jesse, lad, we need your help. And then 30 seconds later, he hadn't got back and he he went both barrels at him. It was, it was, it was funny to hear, especially when you're in the London Stadium and you are you are quite far away from them. But yeah, that voice travels around. Tom, right. having, having the luxury to be around the players and sort of see their celebrations, see their togetherness more than any of us who can't go to the games and see what it's like at the, the end of those big victories. Do you think that now they're starting to genuinely believe that there's something special and that there's a feeling that it might be our time to do something special because they're very mellow in the press and they're very, keep it very casual, but we are fourth with eight games to go. And if I'm not wrong, I think we've got six of the bottom eight left to play which is better than anyone else around us. And I think we don't really get to see those reactions. What do you think from the camp? Do you think that they're starting to truly believe now that this is our year? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they've been they've been told, you know, they're, they're very media trained and I think they, they've been told not to. And, and Moyes has even said um, to us, he's like, yeah, we've asked a question. He said, well, if I, did that, I wouldn't say it to you, but that doesn't mean I'm not saying it to them. Kind of suggests that he is probably, and has been for a, for a a few weeks now. I'm not saying maybe he wasn't saying Champions League, but he was probably saying to them, "Look, we we've got a very very good chance of Europe here, and then when we get to eight, nine, ten games to go, if we're still in the mix, then then possibly Champions League." He, I think, one thing he what he does say, and I do agree with him that even though West Ham are fourth right now, if they were to drop a couple of places, finish sixth, and finish in the Europa League, it's still a brilliant season. Like it, it might feel a little bit disappointing, but it really shouldn't. It's it's already. West Ham have exceeded all expectations. Like the points tally alone is is way above what it was. Um, but yeah, I, I think the players are are starting to believe. I think they have believed for a while. They've got guys in there in Sufal and Sutek. It was this quite a pointed comment Moyes said a few weeks ago. Like these guys are used to winning. They they win the league in the Czech Republic all the time. They're used to Champions League football. And and Sufal is an awful awful loser. He is absolutely <laughs> devastated every time they lose, even if it's at Manchester City where. Played really well and lost 2-1. I, I thought West Ham were going to get absolutely hammered there, not because West Ham aren't a good team, just because Man City are brilliant. You know, I, I thought City would, would put a few goals on them. Um, I, I really did, and I, I said it before. I, I fully expected, you know, we, we do these predictors, and I had that absolutely down as a Man City as a Man City win. And I was really excited to go to go to the game because I wanted to watch the likes of Kevin De Bruyne play football. You know, it's, it's a privilege to watch players and watch someone like him. He didn't actually have a very good game, but, I, you know, the chance to see players like that, but Sufal was was devastated at, at the final whistle, and and that's such a good attitude to have. Lingard, he's used to playing Man United; they don't lose many games. He's scoring in cup finals, you know. He's 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 used to winning as well. I think there's there's an attitude there that yeah, this if not now, then when? Like you know, is this season going to be repeated next year? You know, can't say with any honesty it is. Mm. No, well, that's that's I think what we're all we're all hoping for. I think bigger picture wise, but West Ham fans want to see a, us challenging for Europe, not necessarily the Champions League. I think Jamie Carragher touched on it in Sky on the coverage the other night. He said, you know, the West Ham fans they don't think they should be in the Champions League every year, but that club should be challenging for Europe every year. So either that is the Europa League, and that is what what fans want. So you know, I think anything dropping down to anything below tenth next season won't be 
won't be acceptable, but I think definitely strike while the iron's hot and while momentum's in your favour. Tom, it's been brilliant to have you with us for the first time. Just before we let you go, uh, just give us a, a bit of a look ahead now. Uh, we've done all the looking back, just a look ahead between now and the end of the season about your thoughts on whether you think West Ham can do it and what do you think will happen with Lionel Messi at the end of the season? Reports suggesting United want 40 million quid for him. We paid sums in excess of that for Philippe Anderson and Sebastian Haller. So if you're asking me, I'm saying pay it. But what do you think will happen for West Ham before by the end of the season and with the Lingard situation? So we we had a little predictor gadget that goes up on the website every every week or so and you go through every game you know every match till the end of the season and i've done it a couple of times and both times i've had west ham finishing fifth but on both occasions i've put the games with leicester and chelsea down as draws and if so a win a win against leicester and and then my my prediction would then change and it would be west ham in fourth it is that close like i i had them um, I think the first time I did it, I had them finishing fifth, but on goal difference. And the, the second time I did it, it was fifth, but by points. So, and that was that was withdraws in those two games. Um, you know, there's there's news out from Leicester that um, uh, excuse the pronunciation. I think it's um, Soyonchu, their centre back. He's he's out this weekend. He he had a COVID test. So it's you know obviously Rice picked up an injury on international duty, but other clubs have picked up issues on international duty as well. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be really really close. I really do, and I I I've said fifth a couple of times, um, but this time next week, if there's three points in the bag against Leicester, then I'll probably come come on and say, yeah, no, fourth, why not, lads? But um, I'll, I'll stick with what I've done a couple of times because, as I say, I've, I've been through every game twice, and uh, and I did have them winning against Wolves on both of those occasions. So so I'm I'm sticking with I'm sticking with fifth, but. I mean, I really, I really do want fourth. It would be absolutely brilliant to have some Champions League football there next season. And Champions League, Lingard guaranteed comes back. That's no inside information. That's just an opinion. Um, I think it'd be too good to turn down for him. Europa League, I still think, I think he wants to join. Uh, it's, it's a catch twenty two. The better he plays, the higher his price goes because there was no. Um, no option to buy put in in the clause and I don't think that's something you can blame the board for I think that came from Man United's end I think they knew that if he if he does well then then they can put the price up but also there'll be other teams who are interested in him there's rumours a few weeks ago about Leicester and it's one of those things if, if West Ham finished fifth and Leicester finished third and they come in for him you could understand you know you could understand him wanting to, to make that move but then He's also got six months down here where you know he loves it. He absolutely loves it. He loves the players. He loves the team. He's back in the England squad. Uh, you know, if it, it, it's it's proved to him that that he can reach his goals at West Ham, which is brilliant. Like it, it's going to be expensive. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think forty million is going to be realistic because he's got twelve months on his contract at the end of this season. Um, I think you know those reports come out and it's it's a bargaining chip and it will. You know that they'll they'll be to and fro in over the summer, but I think I think a deal will be done. And um, I've heard it from a, a couple of guys I know who are very close. Um, you know, at West Ham, they've got really good sources and stuff. And yeah, they they have said that, that Lingard wants to come, that the club want him to come, and it is just striking deal with Man United. And um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to be 15, 16 million, but I also don't think it's going to be forty. I think you know if you're looking somewhere around the twenty five million pound mark, it's it's a deal that's got to be done. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tom, well, it's been absolutely brilliant to to have you on. I think that debut, lads, wouldn't you agree, is about as good as Jesse Lingard's was for West Ham. Absolutely wonderful to have you join us, uh, Tom. Hopefully won't be for the, the, the first, but definitely not the last time. It'd be great to have you on towards the end of the season as the running hots up. I uh, hope you enjoy the next few games and sounds like you have been so far and uh, I think that that's it everyone all the London readers have already forgotten about Sam Incasol and now the We Are West Ham listeners have done exactly the same Tom Clark there West Ham correspondent for London. thanks so much for joining us and stay with us because next we've got the Betway Charity Bets So, Tom Clark from Football.London there. Absolutely brilliant to have Tom join us for the first time on the We Are West Ham podcast. They, uh, one of the privileged few, as we mentioned, who gets to go to every single West Ham United game home and away. So, uh, great to have Tom join us for that little bit of additional insight on what's going on inside the stadiums where West Ham are romping their way towards the Champions League. Lads, the Betway Charity Bets, it's time for that. Tom, I don't know what to say, mate. I just don't know what to say. So close, so, so close again. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but is yours a 16 to 1 shot? Your bet against one, Wolves, yeah. Yeah, 16 to 1. You have been flagging behind a little bit on the old leaderboard this season so far, trying to raise money for Isla's fight, thanks to the £50 charity bet stake that we get from Betway each each week to put on a three-bet West Ham bet selection of our choice. Tom, last week went four. Both teams to score, tick. Jesse Lingard to score first, tick. More than 8.5 corners, cross. I think there were six corners in the game, Tom, am I right? Six, six this weekend, six on Monday, and there was eight on the Arsenal game, so they would have been two back-to-back winners, both lost on corners. That's and the only thing you've lost on. Yeah, that's the only, and that's the foot. I look back, I think that's the third or fourth time I've lost on corners this season. So, bit of a nightmare, but I feel like the tide is turning. I think um, one of these will come in. It's surely got to at a minute. It was, a, it was a frustrating one, but at least Ida and all of us could at least enjoy a win this time, and we weren't pegged back for a three all. So, thank God no, for that. that- that is true, mate. No, I was absolutely gutted though. When Lingard scored first and then they scored, I was like, happy days. I was Fine. like, easily, surely the corners has got to come in this week. Yeah. And it was only after the end of the game and I was nervous about the result anyway. I checked and I couldn't believe it. Just by, by three corners more you needed. But look, unlucky, mate. It's a good shout on the Lingard first score and the both teams to score. James, uh, you were a little bit further away. You were doing all right, though. You went uh, Jesse Lingard to score any time, under 2.5 goals and West Ham to win to nil. So you were thinking it was going to be a bit more uh, convincing. Obviously, it wasn't to be in the end. I And I'm a bit annoyed about this because I know you touched it on, on it on the podcast last week in my absence. Uh, but my bet prior to interference from... James Jones and Chad Yeomans from Betway last week was West Ham to win, no penalty to be awarded and a goal in each half. Okay, it might only have been three to one, but I'd have won another £200, sorry, £150 for the Bobby Moore fund, which would have been doubled by Betway. So it would have been an extra 300 quid in the bin for the Bobby Moore fund. But no, I got abuse from both of you in the WhatsApp chat leading up to it. Oh, change it. Go big or go home. That's what you said. And look, I went, change it, change it to penalty to be awarded. That was obviously never going to happen. So, but the losing bet lost. So really, James, you should be 
donating 300 pound of your own money to the Bobby Moore <laughs> fund if you ask me I'm not I'm not having that don't pull me into this um you know you, you try playing it safe and Chad said but pretty much said no you can't do that because you know the odds are just t- too rubbish he said it's, that's going to be a really low price um and so then I you chimed in, in went, with I popped in and went well come on mate like you know Grab up here, let's crack on with it. You, know? you said, big, do another home. one, go big or go home. Yeah, I mean, so I did another one off the back of that, and that's but, denied the Bobby Moore Fund £300 of you, hard You're your own man. You're your own man. You, know, you could have gone, no, I'll stick to my guns. Chad, just price you're it right. up, mate. I know what I'm doing, but no. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough, mate. Yeah, shouldn't have been a sheep. A very good life lesson there. But look, so, so, so very close um, to winning some money for our charities. Just to recap, I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James Jones is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombides Foundation. Tom Edwards for Isla's fight. But with the money that Betway uh, have agreed to double our winnings at the end of the season, we are have raised over six grand for all three of those charities so far, which is brilliant stuff. Uh, looking ahead then, lads, to so that game that we will talk about with Jake Watson from TalkSport in the next section is Leicester City at home Sunday afternoon, five past two kickoff at the London Stadium. Huge game, huge clash uh, in the Champions League. I've gone both teams score, Craig Dawson to score in Eton and Leicester to score last. Uh, I just fancy, fancy Dawson again. I think it will be a cagey affair at the London Stadium and I think any goals that West Ham score particularly are likely to come from set pieces so Dawson was looking pretty red hot in front of goal recently wasn't he so I fancy uh, I fancy big Craig to notch I wasn't willing to pin my flag to the mast on a result because I think that could easily go either way so Tom what have you gone for for uh, Sunday against Leicester? Uh, I've pushed the boat out a bit and try to get a big win at the end of the scene. Both teams to score, West Ham to win and Noble to score any time. Jonesy reminded me it'll be a 400th Premier League appearance on a weekend. It just smells of Noble stepping up to do something iconic and send us the heady heights of fourth, solidly. <laughs> yeah, you know, breathing down the neck of Leicester in third. That's the other thing that no one's talking about. Everyone's going, oh, can we finish fourth? Can we finish third? <laughs> James, what have you gone for? I've mixed up a little bit. I was very tempted to, because I think it was the Leicester game earlier this season where uh, Leicester had that last minute goal ruled out and it, it, it stopped me and Tom winning our bets. Uh, so Betway sort of quite very kindly, Chad very kindly said that he'd still pay 60 quid to each one. So I thought, do you know what? I might just repeat that bet that we had in the Leicester game. I think that was West Ham to win both teams to score and Jared Bowen to score any time, but um, I, I haven't done that. Uh, instead, I've gone both teams to score. Jared Barrett to score any time. Jesse Lingard to have three or more shots on target. Mm. I thought yeah, I'd mix it up a little bit. That's not a bad one. I saw um, yeah, a few friends of mine won uh, some money the other night on a similar bet. Just Jesse Lingard to have two plus shots on target. It was five to one, I think. And they uh, yeah, had a few quid on that and that came in very, very quickly indeed. So I like the sound of that, Josie. And fingers crossed, it's been a bit of a barren spell for a few weeks, isn't it? Um, even though you and Chad talked me out of, of winning money last week. I'll be on to Chad, I think later on tonight some more i think about it i think the pair of you should go halves and donate half of that money each to the charity fund absolutely disgraceful stuff but like you say james i've learned to grow a bit of backbone myself and stop being a sheep 
and uh, yeah, any any more persuasion by either of you will be swiftly ignored in the future. Well, look, lads, we'll uh, we'll have to move on quickly because one man who should be able to tell us whether these bets have got any chance of coming in or not is Jake Watson, uh, outstanding presenter and producer of the Talksport Two Breakfast Show Sports Day with Paul Coit every morning. He's a huge Leicester City fan, but what he might be well known to most of you or most well known to most of you for is his presenting of the West Ham show in the old days at Love Sport Radio more than uh, more than a year ago now that Jonesy wasn't it when uh, Jake was sitting in the hot seat in the studio in Southwark but yeah those of you who've listened to us for a while and used to listen to when it was the live radio show will remember Jake of course and he's coming up next with the opposition view. So Betway Charity Bets there, me and the lads, Tom, unlucky, just unlucky, Tom. But uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, add a few more quid, over £6,000 raise for our charities this season. So it's great stuff. Uh, Moving on, one man who might be able to let us know whether our bets have got any chance of winning this week or not is Jake Watson, Talk Sports' very own Leicester aficionado, Jake Watson. But some of you who've listened to the podcast since the early days of We Are West Ham and formerly the West Ham show on Love Sport Radio will, of course, remember Jake's dulcet tones as the presenter. Jake, lovely to have you with us again, uh, reminiscing about the old days, me, you and James Jones tucked up into that grubby little studio in <laughs> Southwark every Tuesday night chatting West Ham. How's things? Yeah, mate, um, some some happy memories. It was, it was good fun, wasn't it? Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all good. I'm very well. Um, and I think... I get the feeling that that you guys, as West Ham supporters, are, are a lot better than, than perhaps we were back then do, doing those shows. So I'd imagine a completely different world for you guys right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's somewhat of a uh, is somewhat more of a positive environment than perhaps uh, it would have been in in the old uh, the Love Sport Radio days. Me and James just desperately, frantically trying to find <laughs> anything, any positive than that we could feel cheerful about. But thanks, you've worn a very nice retro Leicester shirt. Then would Tony Cotty have ever worn that one? Is that the same sort of era? Muzzy, is it? Number six. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is the same era. Yeah, you, you bang on, and you can get a Tony Cotty version of this one. Um, but but I went for my for, for my idol growing up, which was the one and only Muzzy. Is it? Muzzy is it? What a legend! Well, look, Jake. Uh, on as far as on pitch matters go, Leicester third, West Ham just one place behind, breathing down your necks. Uh, four points behind, though. You don't look particularly nervous, mate. Um, I, are you concerned at all about the weekend's game? Um. Yeah, I am. I well, am I concerned? I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say concerned, but look, there's no escaping. This is an absolutely huge game, um, and I and I'd suggest more so for for Leicester than than West Ham, in the sense of I I generally think this is a make or break game for Leicester, in the sense that if we beat West Ham on Sunday, I think we're there. I really do. I I, I think that would. That would give us such a, a kind of a, a nice gap over you guys. And I think about an eight gap or nine point gap. We've seven games left. And we've then got after you, we've, we've got a run of games of, of Newcastle, Palace, West Brom and Southampton, which I'm fairly confident of, of winning at least three of those four. So, so yeah, if, if, if we can win on Sunday, we are, I think, psychologically nearly there. But if we lose, which is very possible because you guys are playing so, so well at the moment, 
it is going to make the whole thing that little bit kind of more nervy. But, you know, we've been here before and I'm a lot more relaxed and, and confident and comfortable with Leicester as a team than what I was 12 months ago. So I'm OK if I'm completely honest. Jake, how, how important is, well, I suppose it's a bit of a silly question, James Madison's fit now, isn't he? So he, he, he should be back. But in, in terms of Soyuncu, see, I think um, he's got a, a positive COVID test. So he's going to be missing him. Um, does that concern you a little bit in that you haven't got you know, the commanding centre-back that he is sort of there to, to protect to protect you against the likes of West Ham's attacking attacking geniuses like, you know, Fournals and Lingard and, and all the rest of it? Do you know what? It's a really interesting one because with Madison coming back, as, as you say, Harvey Barnes still out. We've we've kind of been forced to play this this new formation, which is seeing Ianacho play up front, and then as play the three centre halves, and, and we're really fortunate that we've got three really good centre halves in Johnny Evans, Shaglar Soyuncu, and, and Wesley Fofana. Now, it took a little while for those three to get used to playing as a three because it wasn't it wasn't natural and, and normal to them, but in recent weeks they've looked really really good. So so with with Cags getting COVID out on international duty, it it, it does kind of give us a little bit of a headache in terms of what we do, because we're going to want to fit Madison back in the team. We also want to kind of keep Ian Atcher back in the team. So lots of fans are a little bit unsure with whether we just go 4-4-2 and put, put Wesley Fofana and um, Johnny Evans as the centre-halves, or we do what we did against Man City and bring bring Dan Amati into, into that, that central position. And I think I think Brendan will play pretty much the exact same team that played against Man City with Dan Amati as a, as a centre-half and possibly, possibly Madison in for, for Perez as the only change. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with, with the exact same lineup as as what played against Man City. Jay, you, you mentioned Wesley Fofana there and he's a centre-back that we were looking at and, and missed out on and I've been unbelievably impressed with him oh, since, yeah. since he first arrived. You've seen a lot of good centre-backs, sadly, at your place in the last few years. How highly... Do you think his ceiling is because he looks like he's a real deal? Him, it's uh, it's quite scary how good he is. Um, yeah, I remember you guys were interested. In, I, 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 I'd completely forgotten about that to be honest. Mm. I mean, when we signed him, I think he played he played less than twenty professional games of football, and Leicester went and paid over thirty million quid for him. And and in his first game, he suddenly realised, wow, this this guy's got something about him, and, he, and he's got everything. He's, he's so aggressive in the way he defends. He's quick. He's confident on the ball. Um, and as I said, he's just turned just turned twenty years twenty years of age, and and playing in defence alongside someone like Johnny Evans, it's um it's it's obviously been really beneficial to him. And if if you're going to kind of slap price tags, because that's what you know, you know how this works as West Ham fans. As soon as a decent player who who plays well for for a season, then linked with you know sixty, seventy, eighty million pound moves elsewhere, I think his ceiling is is significantly higher than say, for instance. Um, Evans and Soyuncu and you look at the price tag of someone like Harry Maguire um, if you're going to start slapping price tags on someone then um, then, then, then he's already at least doubled what we paid for him let's, let's put it that way Jake Kelechi and Acho you mentioned him there has absolutely come into his own recently I don't think you know he, I, th- I think he's always been the sort of player that other fans would look at especially a club like ours and go yeah we wouldn't mind having someone like him to come off the bench when Antonio's injured that's a decent little backup striker he's the sort of bloke that you could see going to play at Tottenham for the odd game that Harry Kane doesn't get in the team blah 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 all of a sudden recent weeks he's he's sort of trying to force his way to the front elbow and Jamie Vardy out the way scoring goals left right and centre what's happened to him is it the system change you mentioned there or has he just had a new lease of life 
yeah, I think it's the system change, but it's 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 quite miraculous though, isn't it? Um, I mean, let's compare him compare him to, to Lingard. You know, the, the the two players that were completely at times forgotten, uh, and and I'd say that even some Premier League fans would even even mock to a certain extent. You know, that would, would say that they were useless, but the pair of them were the, were the two best players in the Premier League last month. Um, you know, and, and let's not forget earlier on in the in the season, it was just after Christmas. Jamie Vardy was out for for a few weeks. Um, and Brendan Rodgers didn't even play in actually. He decided to go with Ayosi Perez as the as the lone striker, as kind of like a false nine. Um, so so even then, you'd say that that Brendan still wasn't completely convinced by by what Ian Acho brought to the table. But he got a, his opportunity. Um, it is due to that formation change, him and Vardy playing up front together, and 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 it's been it's been quite incredible to watch because you know over over the years, as, as brilliant as someone like Jamie Vardy's been. He's often very isolated. You know, it's, it's not uncommon to, to, to hear stats at half time saying Vardy's touched the ball three or four times. And just by putting Ian Acho up next to him, it's completely changed the dynamic for Leicester. Um, and as you've seen, it's completely, you know, I, I'd say almost reinvigorated, but we've, we've never invigorated. Seen him, yeah. We've never seen him play this well before, even when he was kind of that, that youngster coming through at Man City. So um, it's been brilliant to see because he's, he's a great guy is, is Ian Acho and he's, he's loved lots and he's just signed a new contract, um, you know, just off the back really of this incredible run. So, so clearly people like him and clearly people rate him. Um, but I think, uh, I think even Brendan would be lying if he said that he, he knew that he had, had this kind of form in him. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw his interview a couple of weeks ago after the hat trick he scored. Really mm. emotional, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's good to see stuff like that. But Jake, the West Ham Leicester Sunday, eleventh of April, five past two kick off. One of those weird ones. How do you see the game playing out? You mentioned the system there. For those listening who might not have watched as much of Leicester recently, what sort of system can can West Ham expect to be up against formation wise and uh, personnel, and 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 how do you think the game will play out style wise? Yeah, we will be interesting style-wise because let's not forget the, the the return fixture when when you beat us at our place and, and and did it quite comfortably and it was it was quite um, it was one of those games that has, has, has happened quite frequently of Leicester of being at home um, and not being able to break down the opposition and, and then being hit on the counter and, and West Ham did it so so well against us um, but that's kind of the way that we play when when we're away from home you know we've we've lost one game away from home all season and that was at Anfield. You know, it's phenomenal we, we that is it? record in the Premier League. So, so going into away games, we're significantly more confident and, and comfortable than we are for the home game. So, I, I suspect he will line up with a with a three five two, um, with wing backs of, of of probably Pereira and and Castagna, potentially Madison in for Perez, and then hopefully that front to of Iheanacho and, and Vardy. And you know, it's it, it's a team which can kind of do both in the sense of it can soak up that pressure and hit you on the counter if it needs to. But at the same time, if you allow us to have the ball, that they're confident and comfortable to, to be able to do that. So um, it'll be very, very interesting to see how the game plays out because because that kind of relies and or, or depends a little bit on on how West Ham play, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, lads. James, what are you are you envisaging uh, that we do the same thing? Because we've said, haven't we, that the having no fans in has allowed West Ham to a make London Stadium a bit more of a fortress than than it ever has been, but also play a bit more of a patient brand of football as well, where we're not necessarily, you know, being urged on to, to the players aren't being urged out of shape by the crowd or anything like that against a team like Leicester, who we've seen it when we played United or when United came to the London stadium earlier in the season, 
We we looked good in flashes in that first half and then got stung really quickly uh, on the counter-attack. How do you, how do you reckon it all, we're going to approach the game? It's difficult. I mean, I think we've got the third best home record in, in the league this season. I mean, we've been really, really good at home. But that said, against teams that have come to London Stadium and sat back a little bit and looked to, to catch us on the break, we've really struggled to break teams down. Um, I think you know, Fulham causes problems, Villa causes problems, I think Palace did the same thing. Um, and caught us on the break many a time and many United did it perfectly, as you said. So I think that that could be a diff- difficult one for us. Uh, um, and as Jake said, that, I mean, that's that, essentially how Leicester won the Premier League a few years ago as well, just catching teams on the counter, soaking it all up and then, and then going. Um, so, I mean, if that's how the game's going to be won, it's just who can counter better. I think I think that's where it's going to be won at the weekend because um, we won't be, I don't think we'll, we will do well just trying to just chip away at the defence and trying to get a break in because we really struggle when we've got a lot of the ball, I think. Mm, yeah, I do worry, Tom, about uh, having Jared Bowen, if it looks like he's playing up front instead of Antonio, against the three at the back system. You you do worry whether our attacking threat will be quite easily nullified. And then if you've got, you're relying on Suchek and Noble's legs in the middle to to carry the team forward on those counter-attacks that we're going to rely on. Um, you do worry whether it could end up being one of those where neither team really wants the ball that much and, and it ends up as a stale one-all or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that not plays into our hands. No rice is obviously the worst thing that could have happened to this football team, but it does mean that we won't be able to control possession in that game. No chance. Suchek and Noble won't be able to compete physically with indeed in Tielemans and da da da. So they will have the lion's share of the possession. I'm pretty sure of that because they'll, they'll most likely win that midfield battle. And I think that could play into our hands. I mean, we'll risk Rice and I think it'll be scrappy. Both teams won't want to lose this one. I think a point sort of isn't a bad result for either of them. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it, KG. I think the nerves will start playing sooner or later with West Ham and we'll stop seeing three twos and three alls sooner rather than later. And I reckon it'll start this weekend. Yeah, Jake, uh, before we let you go, what's your score prediction for the game on Sunday? Oh, honestly, honestly, I I, I really don't know. Um, I do think that Tom is is probably right in the sense of it'll, it'll probably be cagey because I think that both teams will recognise that there's a huge amount on this. Um, but then that being said, most of the West Ham games in, in recent weeks have been full of goals. Um, so... I, I suspect there'll be a few goals in, in it. Naturally, and obviously, I'm going to have to predict a, a Leicester win. <laughs> I, can't, I can't predict anything, anything other, but um, I'm, I'm going to go with 3-2 with, with, with to Leicester. I think, I think it'll be plenty, plenty going on. Um, maybe Leicester to take a 3-1 a three, three lead and then make it very, very nervy, um, just like we all like to do late on in that game, but, but hopefully just about hold on. Absolutely. Well, 3 2 to Leicester from Jake there, James. I know last week when I was off, uh, the Matt from the Wolves fan cast, he went for a draw, didn't he? And we ended up freshening them. So we have had quite a few opponents predict their team are going to win this season and then we go and turn them over. So not too concerned about that from, from Jake. But what are you saying, James? Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it. Um, but I do agree with Tom that I think a point probably suits both teams. Um, but it wouldn't be the worst result for both teams. Um, so I'm going to go for one all. I'll be happy with that. One all. Yeah, that sort of echoes my sentiments. Tom, what are you saying score-wise? Yeah, I'm going to blindly follow my bet and everything I said went out the window. So I'm going 2-1 West Ham, a noble last-minute bicycle kick. <laughs> bicycle <laughs> kick, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I can maybe, maybe see uh, Noble going from the spot. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still think there's going to there's a nil-nil round the corner for some reason. I know we seem wild and and ready to score and let them in recently. But um, yeah, so just I do fancy a one-all James as well. But just to be different, I'll go for nil-nil. Well, look, Jake, wonderful to have you back with us again. Just a shame you're not um, that we're not all in person and you're not sitting across the table from me, me and Jonesy trying to scrape some positives to make an hour of, of radio like we were before. But uh, yeah, wonderful to have you with us. Thanks for wearing your, your Muzzy Is It shirt. We'll call it a Tony Cotty one. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, that both of our teams can finish in the Champions League places this season. What a yeah. uh, what an upset turn up for the book that would be, eh? Yeah, well, absolutely. I was, I was just going to say, you know, Leicester the last couple of seasons and, and a few years back managed to do it. it. It is very, very rarely done, as we know, that the teams outside that big six managed to get to get in the top four. I would, I, I think it would be absolutely brilliant if if Leicester and West Ham managed to finish in that top four this season to, to kind of really shake things shake things up and uh yeah it'd be great to see see us both in the champions league wouldn't it next season exactly mate absolutely well look jake watson there of uh talk sport infamy massive leicester fan and former host of the west ham show on love sport radio brilliant to have you joining us jake and stay with us because it's name that game next A blast from the past that was, boys. Jake Watson. Great to uh, hear from Jake. Again, big time uh, producer now at TalkSport 2, but uh, wonderful to to have his voice just to hark back to those old days when he used to present me and you, James, in the uh, in the studio in Southwark, getting very, very, very depressed about West Ham trudging our way. And mind you, we'd normally been to the pub in those days, didn't we, to have a couple a pints yeah. either before or after the show so they uh they were enjoyable enough just for that i think if we'd had to carry on like we are at the moment just over zoom without the beers while west ham were playing like we were at that time i don't think it'd be doable would it definitely not no i mean that's why that's why i used to say mate meet me in the pub two hours before just to make it a little bit just to make it a little bit easier <laughs> yeah. um but yeah and yeah, no, that's good it's good good to see jake yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, um, we've got name that game now, Tom. Uh, you're the quiz master this week. An opportunity, finally, for me and Jones to try and claw some points back on you. You are sitting pretty at the top of the leaderboard at the moment with a six-point lead over me. Tom, you're on 43 points. I'm second in th- with 37. James is bottom with 34. Three points behind me and a whopping nine points Behind you, Tom Edwards. For any new listeners, this is Name That Game. Each week, the Quizmaster, which this week is Tom, picks a West Ham match from history and collates seven necessary pieces of information about that game. They are obscure facts, scoreline only, one opposition goal scorer, uh, or an alternate fact if there's none. A West Ham goal scorer, an alternate fact if there's none. The stadium in which the game was played, West Ham's opponent, and the season, if it's still a tie at that stage, it goes to the tie break, which is the exact year the game took place. It's a point for each piece of information the lads can guess. As the quiz master reveals them one by one, Thomas Edwards, I always like your games, Tom. Uh, you always pick uh, decent ones out of the bag. I'm sure you've done the same again this week, so take it away. Oh, so this one, the, the obscure, I appreciate that, by the way. Love that build up. But um, it is the obscure fact this week is it's the last time we beat Leicester City at home. Oh. 
Well, I Ooh. think I know who the opponent is. Oh yeah, sorry. I've got two. I've got two. Uh... <laughs> 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 I can I can I guess that one first? Oh, what a shambles! <laughs> a, a big build-up as well. <laughs> no, I'm just telling everyone how good you are and how much I enjoy it when you're the quiz master. <laughs> and he's given away clue number six in the first clue. Well, James, where do we go from here? You got another one, Tom? Yeah, do another one. We could do another one quickly then. <laughs> Absolute shambles. Right, clue number one for game number two. Uh, right. Manchester United won 3 1 Upton Park in this game. Yeah, <laughs> All right, cheers, see normally normally james people listening at home would think this sort of thing goes on behind the curtain quite a lot and that any self-respecting professional podcast would edit this out but uh i'm assuming that we're gonna we're gonna keep it in are we jonesy yeah yeah keep it in yeah yeah you got to keep yeah. it in. Exactly. Yeah, maybe not the maybe not the looking part though, because that could take an hour. Be back to me and come back in nine, boys. Oh, before we start, while you're looking, you might as well tell us about the game. Yeah, I'll tell you about this game. Um, we went. Funnily enough, we went into fourth. The wind took us fourth. We won two nil. Carol Downing. It was in the 2014-15 season under Allardyce. Um, if you guys remember, it was that back pass that Carol latched onto. It had a nice little dink finish. Um, yeah, I remember West, that. At West Ham, or it was at Upton Park. Yeah. All oh, right. God, that would have been right. lucky because I would have had a clue on those. Well, but, I also um, gave that away. Um, yeah. Well, right. look, James, I think we've we've already established earlier in the in the podcast, haven't we, that that fans already hold Tom in a much higher esteem than they do me or you. So perhaps the the calamitous introduction to yeah, this game uh, will will encourage fans to to perhaps you know bring Tom off that pedestal somewhat Ooh. I, I don't think so because you know it's things like this that sort of make Tom a bit like a lovable rogue mm. like he's adds to the charm know, doesn't it that, yeah that's what that's why fans that's why the listeners and the fans love him because you know you, you, ne- you, you never know what to expect <laughs> with him you never know he's, he's, he's just got that relate, relatability isn't he um, that's it yeah. alright here we go here we go go on then Tom um this win ended our longest run without a win in the without a win away from home in the Premier League. Ooh. I'm gonna go for scoreline. Okay. Is it four one? It is not four one. Oh. Uh, our longest our longest run without a win away from home in the Prem. Ah, uh, oh, that feels quite recent. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go. 3-0. Both incorrect. Oh, what was the score? Scoreline was 3-1. Oh, agonising. All right, Jonesy, do you want to have a go at opposition goal scorer? Yeah, I th- I, do you know what I think? Opposition goal scorer. I think I know the game. I know the game. <laughs> well, tell me who scored for the opposition then. <laughs> oh, this is a... I'm good. Is it Alex Pritchard? It's not Alex Pritchard. Ooh, I don't even know who Alex Pritchard plays for. Uh, or played for. Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, Josh King? Incorrect. It was Aaron Hughes who scored the goal for them. Oh. Jonesy, West Ham goal scorer then. 
Hughes. Yeah, no, no. It's, not, it's not the game I was thinking of then. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, Aaron Hughes. Oh. What era is that? Played for about 15 years. So. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Could be, yeah, could be the entire Premier League era. Oh, um, he was he was such a beige Premier League footballer, wasn't I'll he? I'll take Premier. a nil-nil, by the way. I'm enjoying this. Proper journeyman. Go on, James. Uh, oh, Stand goal scorer. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to say Paolo. No. Um, I'm going to say Kevin Nolan. No. Oh, what a shocker. You can have is. another guess. You've got to have another guess on the scorers for some points here. <laughs> um, go on, then, James. You can go first. Uh, Aaron Hughes. I mean, I mean, didn't he play for about thirty different clubs as well? No, we'll, we'll stick, we'll stick with the rules, Tom. Don't worry about guessing again, Jamesy. Just you have a you have a crack at stadium. That's what I mean. He's, he's played for about thirty oh, different right. clubs. It could be anyone. Right. Uh, I don't know. Aaron Hughes. I can't remember who he played for. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> the worst instalment of name that game. Is uh, uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with, uh, the Valley. No. Valley Parade. No. no. St James's Park. No. Oh, um, no. The ground was Craven Cottage. Ah, oh, what a joke. What a joke. Right, right, right. Well, I'll go with your, your opponent is Fulham. Oh, that is a disgrace. That is. Season. Uh, did you tell us who the West Ham goal scorer was, by the way? I didn't, actually. It was because maybe we might have to come back for that. But if you're not on it, if you don't want the points, I'll let you know. Go on, let us know who it is. It was a double for Colton Cole and one for Freddie Pickiom. Uh, oh, oh, that's uh, made it a bit easier for the year, isn't it? All right, settle down. Uh, right, uh, this is my worst question. Right, hang on, let me think for a minute. This isn't going to make for good podcasting or radio, but uh, oh, I always get this wrong. Um, Two thousand and. Ah, oh, always, always, always get this wrong. Right. 2014-15. Incorrect. Ah, oh, stinker. I hate this game. Is it... Is it 2010-2011? That is correct, Jonesy. Oh, Absolutely. blimey. Oh, it, was no the, it, was the, it was the season we went down. Yeah, it was over a year yeah. we'd gone. It was over a calendar year we'd gone without... Um, without winning an away game and it was Avram Grant and it was all makeshift Danny Gavadon all sorts of those guys playing at right back all out of position God, that um, is a shocker that is a 2-0 that was that's officially that's got to be the worst segment of name that game we've ever done I got oh, zero I think, I think that was the best I'm looking forward to listening back tomorrow yeah, <laughs> absolutely minging. Well, look, James. Uh, I mean, it's a great result for Tom. James, that pushes you up to thirty-six points, just one behind me, and I stay on thirty-seven. That could be the first nil I think we've ever had in the history of name that game. So, Tom, brilliant result for you. You stay on forty-three points. I'm in second on thirty-seven. James Jones closes the gap to thirty-six. I am quizmaster next week so stay with us because it's West Ham Women next (laughs) 
So after the worst ever instalment of Name That Game, perhaps the worst quiz section on any podcast in the history of podcasting, lads, I think. But, uh, we got there in the end. James Jones swept the 2-0 win. And another team who did some victory sweeping. I mean, that's, again, the worst episode of, of Name That Game, the worst link <laughs> I've ever done in my podcasting presenting history. Perhaps Steve Brooker was right all along. I shouldn't be doing this, boys. I just can't <laughs> cope. But West Ham women won 5-0 against Reading. They were 5-0 up at half time. All the doom and gloom there's been on the We Are West Ham podcast the past few weeks. Well, what a performance and what a result. Nobody at all saw that coming. I don't think it's fair to say they struggled against Birmingham City the week before, threw away that lead right at the death. And I mean, out of nowhere, five new up at half time. James, stunning stuff. You were uh you were texting it through in the in the WhatsApp group. I only managed to to get the game on at half time, thinking, ah, oh, well, I'm obviously going to see a few more goals. Didn't see any because I missed the first half. But you were texting through on the WhatsApp chat with the great news that the goals were just going in and in and in. I can't believe it. Can you? No, I'm still trying to get me around it, really, because, you know, last week when we had uh, Catherine Bat on, you know, we were saying how, how, how big a game it was and, you know, the survival still in their hands, but, you know, they've got to start picking up the points and they've got Villa twice. That's going to be massive. And just we kind of all agreed that, you know, it's going to be, a, a, you know, expecting it to be a bit of a tight affair. And um, I'd actually completely forgot. I thought kickoff was was a little bit later in the day so next thing I know I'm getting these goal, goal alerts through on me, on me live score app going 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 and I'm like hang on what on earth's gone on here um, and you, you're kind of hoping that they would just push on and maybe score a few more in the second half just for the goal difference um, but it's done it's done the, you know, the team a world of good in terms of confidence and you know they go into those two games against Villa um, knowing that you know they, they probably don't need to win both of them now, they could probably just just get a one win if they if they you know if they can't win both and still be pretty safe. They've got two games in hand on Bristol City as well, so it's just huge for confidence and, and morale within the squad and um, great for Ollie Harder to get his first league win. Yeah, absolutely delighted with that, mate. You're right. I mean. The, the fact no one can see it coming is neither here nor there, really. The fact is, and the important part of it is that it came. And yeah, I'm just, just delighted for the girls. So West Ham now 10th in the WSL, uh, moved up from bottom place 12th, uh, where Aston Villa currently sits. So West Ham played 17 on 12 points. Bristol City in 11th, who've played 19 on 11 points. And Aston Villa, rock bottom, uh, played the same amount of games as West Ham, but two points behind with 10. As you mentioned there, Jonesy, we've still got to play them twice, of course. So they they do become absolutely huge games now. Uh, obviously, haven't got to play Bristol City again, but Bristol played those two more games than us already. Tom, I mean, there's no more. You couldn't have asked for anything better than that, could you? Like James mentioned there, confidence, morale within the squad. It'll give Ollie Harder a boost, no doubt. Just, I, I mean, wow, first of all, but, but it's just, just, only positives to be said about that. Exactly. Yeah, unbelievable. Just the manner you tend to see results grinded out at the bottom when you're in that type of trouble. To go there and stick five in in the first half was truly sensational. And, and credit to Catherine, who came on last week and said she thought Martha Thomas might have a thing to say for the rest of the season. And boy, did she. She That hat trick will give her, do her the world of good, sorry. And she'll hopefully go on a bit of a run now and find a form that we all know 
that she has in those boots. And it, it was amazing looking over the goals and seeing it. Some of the football the girls played were yeah. superb at times when they got in that lead. So fingers crossed. Ollie Hard is clearly doing something right to, to keep the girls switched on and focused and to have that performance considering all the bad results and all the bad luck that has gone against them this season. So huge, huge result. And let's hope they kick on because it's all looking really exciting in the WSL with all the TV deal and everything. So it's imperative we're involved next year and with results like that, surely you've got to start thinking it might be a possibility again. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to come good and going to start the new manager's instructions, start taking uh, hold. Now is the time. So goals from Kenza Dali opened the scoring on seven minutes. Katarina Svitkova on 10 before Martha Thomas with three goals on 11, 29 and 37 uh, put the Hammers into a 5-0 commanding lead at halftime and just saw the game out in the second half. One hilarious thing that did make me laugh, lads, was uh, we won 5-0 and only had 39% possession, <laughs> which is uh, which is quite some some achievement. But yeah, but just brilliant stuff from, from the girls now. And I think one thing, lads, which is quite encouraging, that we could potentially start looking up as well. If, if we're going to carry that form... Um, into the next few games that we've got. I so say we're, we're 10th place on 12 points. Birmingham are in ninth. They've played a game more and they're just a point above us. Obviously, we, we drew with them the other week, which was which was unfortunate right at the death. Tottenham are two places above us in eighth. They're on 19 points, but only five points ahead of us. So if we string a couple of wins together, you could be looking at uh, perhaps a lower mid-table finish after all, which would which would obviously be, be quite something. But James, what... What do you what do you put that down to? Because it's fair to say that you know we've had we've had WSL experts, high level sports journalists on this podcast all throughout the season, talking about all things West Ham women, and you know we weren't the only ones who were really concerned about the about the state of things. Where, where do you think that that came from at the weekend? Obviously, we said they might have got some hope from the Birmingham game before, that was a disappointing end, but uh, no one saw it coming, did they? No, I don't. And uh, like Reading are a strange, strange side this season. You know, they beat by West Ham, relegation threat in West Ham five 0 at home. But you know, they 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 won at Man United away. They've drawn with Everton. You know, they've drawn with Arsenal. Um, it's just they're they're a strange side. Uh, but then they they drop points against against the likes of West Ham and Bristol City. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know whether. There's an element of complacency from from Reading's part in that you know they just thought they haven't really got a great deal to play for. Not going to finish in the uh, in the Champions League places. They're not going to go down. Um, but then I'd, I'd like to say that it was just we, we've seen just snippets of you know some improvement with every week. There's been okay, it was a bad result, but that was a positive. That's another positive. I think maybe that that game at the weekend, it was just it all finally came together fairly harder in the team. And um, it's quite clear just looking at the goals and the celebrations and um, you see on social media, you know, it's clearly a tight knit squad. They're all trying to put in the right direction. I just don't think they've had, you know, that they haven't had the, the rubber to green really. And see that, that late goal against Birmingham a couple of weeks ago obviously hurt them. But yeah, I think it's a mixture of Reading just being so inconsistent. Um, and finally, it all clicking in one 45-minute spell f- f- for the team. And um, long may that continue because they put themselves in a great position there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, Tom, one interesting thing. West Ham's next game, no game now for another th- 12 days from, from today, which is Tuesday when we're recording. The next game, Sunday, the 18th of April, uh, is the FA Cup fourth round. The third round games are taking place this weekend. West Ham not quite involved yet. The um, Obviously, they're coming in at that later stage in the tournament, as is seen in the men's game when the higher-ranked teams come in later on. So uh, West Ham coming in for the fourth round. They're, they're obviously, after the third round games take place this weekend, then we'll see the draw. So we still don't know who the girls are playing yet. And then straight after that, on the Sunday, they've got a quick turnaround before Aston Villa at home on the Tuesday, then Everton at home, Aston Villa away, and then Manchester City at home. I think it might have been Sandra Brobby from The Sun who came on a couple of weeks ago and said if West Ham are going to stay up, they need to have stayed up before that last game because they're not going to get anything against Man City. I think we can all agree on that. But with that FA Cup, obviously it it helped a couple of seasons ago to really promote the profile of the women's team. It engaged loads of the fans of the men's team. Uh, I've certainly set up and take took notice that season more than I had before when, when the girls did really well to get to the FA Cup final at Wembley. Um, do you think, Tom, that that might be a distraction almost, that fourth round game um, before, you know, I, I know it's a brilliant win there, but they're still not completely high and dry. They're still not out of it. There's still some work, some serious work to be done in the WSL. Do you find that FA Cup might come a bit of an awkward time for them? I think it largely depends on who we have in the fourth round when the girls do come in, because that game um, sits a few days before the Villa game, which is absolutely massive. So, as long as we get a winnable tie or, or at least a tie where we can rest a few players, maybe um, it shouldn't have too much of a bearing and it could end up working in our favour. Like you mentioned there in terms of profile and getting the girl's name out and everything, I think it's a massive opportunity and I, I would hope that they would still take that competition and give it the respect it deserves, because I think it's probably one of the biggest areas where you can grow the game as a club. And I think we all saw that when they got to final. So I don't think them and the club should waste that opportunity but as long as as long as they're focused, the league is. You're right in saying that the league is the most important thing. But we've seen at times where cut forms helped other sides, helped sides down at the bottom. And I just hope that hope that we give both a crack. To be honest with you, because I feel like that win was so big. We've now got a bit of breathing room, and we've got a relatively okay four or five games to end. I guess by the City one, I know Everton are a good side, but the two Villa games, we'd like to think we'll get a few points out of those, which will likely see us be safe. So. I think it's worth the girls giving a cup of crack because that's what ultimately got me to start following them. And I think it's a, it's a great springboard for others to get on board. James, you share those thoughts because, you know, Tom's mentioned it there, but I think next season, the WSL fantastic news is going to be beamed into people's homes. So lots of people who perhaps don't already are going to start sit up and pay attention as I've already mentioned to the women's game via that. So I think it's more important just from a profile point of view for, for the girls to be in the league rather than any cup run. Do you share Tom's thoughts there or do you think that maybe it will be an unwelcome distraction? I think you, you've got to look at it as where's the priority this season. Um, and I think the WSL has to, it, they, I mean, the league should always be priority when you're, when you're, you're battling down the, the wrong end of the table. We know that from the men's game that, you know, as much as we'd love a cup run, when you're battling relegation almost every other season, it's, it's difficult to really warrant it. Um, and I think that applies uh, for, for the women's team this year. And that, yeah, cup runs great. That runs the FA Cup final a few years ago was great. But particularly with the, with the, the TV deal, as you mentioned, mate, 
that's the priority. They need to be in the WSL next season to take advantage and, and be involved in that in that TB deal. Um, otherwise, they're just going to get a little trickle of the money down in the championship. And I, I just think for you know, if, if the club wants to go to where where Jack Sullivan's ambition is, then you know they've got to be in the top division. And um, you know, I, I just don't think don't think an FA an FA Cup run is going to do them any flavours. No, no, I'd, uh, I, I, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you, you, you kind of think, you know, if they're playing well and they get a nice, easy run, you know, they, they might give them some confidence. But we saw that with the League Cup or the Conti Cup earlier in the season. That didn't happen, did it? Played well, did well to get to the semi-finals, but didn't do any favours for the league form whatsoever. So will be uh, an intriguing one. Lads, just before we go, worth mentioning as well, of course, the news that came out. In the week, Birmingham City's women players who, who nicked that point against West Ham um, last time out or before the before West Ham's great win against Reading had that draw uh, against Birmingham City. And, you know, the since then, Birmingham's players have all of them have written a written a public letter or that's been seen by the, the Sunday Telegraph, basically complaining about facilities, travel, budget restrictions you know Birmingham's men's team is in turmoil as well and and complaints raised by by the playing staff about the conditions there the FA have launched a probe and they're looking in to see whether Birmingham might have actually breached their WSL license and I think that's one thing that it's fair to say certainly I had assumed and you you hope that those things have, have gone out the game you thought the women's game has come on so much that gone are the days of players arguing over tracksuits because there wasn't enough and the equipment being poor, blah, blah, blah. I see such gr- a lot, great deal of funding poured into the, into the teams at the top of that WSL. And even at West Ham as well, you know, the facilities are, are great for the girls down there, uh, but obviously not the same across the board. Birmingham say they're, they're doing what they can and the usual platitudes have come out of the club, but um, just worth noting that, you know, uh, hope that, that situation gets cleared up pretty soon, but not nice to see, is it, James? No, it's not, and it surprises me that 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 sort of st- that's happening in the WSL because you know it's not a, a, a part-time semi-pro league; it's a it's a it's a full-on professional league now with a, a multi-million-pound TV deal. You know that shouldn't be happening at clubs. You know, Okay, some clubs are going to have, have more funding than others, but you've got to have the basics. You know, you've got to have the bet. You know, you know just the, the acceptable basics that every football club should have. You know, the facilities have to be, you know, to a, a you know a good enough standard. And if they're not, then you know you deserve to be punished for it. Um, and you know, fair play to the players and, and the coaching staff speaking out and going, you know, this is unacceptable. You know, how do you expect us to to work in these conditions? So. Um, uh, fair play to them, and hopefully, hopefully Birmingham get their act together and sort it out because um, you know they're a WSL side. They're going to be, a, well, they should be a WSL side next season as well. So you know there'll be no excuse next year when the money comes coming. No, no absolutely, and uh, and you sort of hope uh, that just certainly for the playing staff and the the fans of Birmingham's women team as well. But um, that they've still got a team there next year because what we don't want to see is is club owners albeit you know it's irresponsible the way they're running the men's team as well as as we've been able to see the the fall of a of a former premier league 
sort of big boys, weren't they? You know, in, in Wembley finals, beating Arsenal and stuff and, and knocking us out of the <laughs> of the League Cup that, that same season as well. They were they were big hitters, weren't they, in the Premier League at, at one point, Birmingham. So what we don't want to see certainly is, is women's teams collapsing or or players being felt like they're being unfairly treated um, at, a, at a club and a league which next season is going to be at the forefront of everyone's everyone's minds and and the biggest women's football league in the world probably so uh, fingers crossed that situation gets resolved pretty quickly and um, just our support and respect to to the Birmingham players for speaking up as James mentioned there so big big few weeks ahead for the West Ham women's team big few weeks ahead for the men's team that's pretty much it for this week but stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts fantasy Premier League update and we'll say goodbye next So West Ham women's there, as I mentioned, lads, huge, huge week for both the men's and women's side at West Ham United. Real season definers, of course, for different reasons, at opposite ends of their respective tables, but big, big things ahead. And it could be an exciting few weeks, lads, couldn't it? Uh, one thing that is hotting up, James, is the Fantasy Premier League. I mean, you couldn't have written it, given it absolutely massive to me the last couple of weeks obviously we didn't manage to catch up last week because I was absent um, but you've played your wild card this week you still finished the point behind me after making it clear to me and to all of our listeners uh, how weak you felt my team was ahead of the upcoming games uh, you played your wild card which has enabled you to pick the every single player the cream of the crop of players and uh, and you still couldn't get ahead of my team which included Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who could just be the worst player on £350,000 a week in the history of the world Yeah um, I mean I, I stand by everything I said a couple of weeks ago mate um, this week was it was purely down to a, a poor captain choice for me um, and uh, the fact that I had Diogo Yotta on the bench and Nat Phillips on the bench and I picked the wrong goalkeeper so just a, just a couple of really frustrating decisions for me. I think I had 20 points on the bench at the end of the, at the, end of the game week. So, um, But, you know, I'm still confident I'm going to catch it. I think it's still only, what, 35 points or something. So I'm still confident. You say a couple of bad decisions. They are the only decisions you have to make when playing fantasy football, though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, let's not, you know, let's not get... get you know. That's just just small little things, mate. Small little, <laughs> small little, small little niggles. Stop being so picky. <laughs> All right. Well, I got fifty six points in the game week, and I'm on one thousand eight hundred twenty four. James uh, got fifty five, and he's on one thousand seven hundred eighty five. Tom, you were bottom of the pile this week, mate. Not by a lot. You got forty eight points, and you're one thousand seven hundred twenty eight. That puts you ninety six points behind me, I think, um, and a few off of. Off of Jonesy as well. It looks could be curtains for you. Yeah, sadly. So I didn't actually change the team this weekend. That was a oversight. And that's what probably saved me. Kane getting the armband was um was a massive help. Otherwise, I'd be really gone. But yeah, you're probably out out of the reckoning now. It's just about finishing inside the top million. How depressing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, mate. You can still catch Josie. Things are all changing in the We Are West Ham fan league as well. Remember Rudy Eagling was top for so long. He's dropped. I think he's in about 18th place now. Tom Connolly still doing well and Jeremy Pike up the top as well. So uh, it's been an interesting one. That one's coming to a head at the moment. But lads, that is it. 
for the evening. It's been another great show. I'm glad to be back. Nice to speak to you two again, especially off the back of another West Ham United win. We're back in the fourth place with eight games to go. Just some final thoughts from you on the show, James. It's been a good one tonight. Good win for West Ham women. Good to have Tom Clark on. Just good all round. Yeah, it's, it's funny what a win can do. Um, I mean, if this is what it's like to, to win every week and be fourth, then you know I'm, more, I'm, more, I'm all for this. This is what it's like supporting a big club. Uh, talking about potentially finishing the top four and you know signing world class players like Jesse Lingard. I mean, this is the dream in it, boys. Um, this is what we've, we've been missing out on. But just just hope. I'm just hoping now that we don't we, we continue this this run of form and pick up some some good results in the in the final what eight games I think it is. Um, some massive games against Chelsea, Leicester, and, and Everton on the way. So uh, get through those, and um, the job's pretty much done, I think. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. But I'm positive. I'm going to remain positive, and I'm going to keep crying every time we score because it seems to work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Emotional stuff from you. Tom, uh, final thoughts from you before we say goodbye? Yeah, loved it. Loved it up until the quiz section where I've mugged myself off quite uh, profoundly. So, yeah, apart from that, I had a whirlwind of a time. I had a beauty of a time. West Ham winning. Big games coming where we're playing Leicester and it's not for mid-table mediocrity. It's all eyes in the top four race. And uh, mental to say that a few years ago when we both came up around similar times, who'd have thought they'd have won a league title and soon enough we'd be playing for uh, Champions League places. So long may it continue in... Yeah, just enjoying it. But the nerves only get worse. So blubbering mess like Jonesy next week. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Well, look, lads, it's been uh, it's been brilliant to be back, to have a chat to you two again. Uh, couldn't quite do it from my hospital bed last week, so I'm sorry. But I'm delighted uh, to have taken the hot seat once again on the We Are West Ham podcast. Thanks so much to our guest from tonight, Talk Sports. Uh, Jake Watson joined us for the Opposition View. Tom Clark, West Ham correspondent for Football.London. It's a, it a great show. Uh, James eventually won on name that game as well do follow us on twitter at we are underscore west Ham. we're on instagram as well you can subscribe to our youtube channel where you can watch this whole show as video form if you like including to see the faces of our guests uh the link to our youtube channel is in the description to this podcast below do give us a review on your chosen podcast platform uh, and you know what even if you want to do what steve did and tweet us any negative feedback that's absolutely fine as well we love hearing from you guys you can email us at we are west Ham pod at gmail.com as well if you wish and you can support the podcast uh, or buy me and the lads a beer at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west Ham if you so fancy uh, i think that's about it lads it's been a brilliant week what a win for West Ham we went to the Wolves then and we came away with all three points and can we do the same with the Foxes this weekend the Champions League run is still on the European dream is still alive West Ham United versus Leicester Sunday afternoon at London Stadium this is where the week are sorted from the chaff thanks for listening everyone up the hammers and we'll see you next week Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.